Hi guys, welcome back to the Midwife in My Pocket podcast. As always, I am your host, Zoe, and we're back with another episode. Thanks for listening. Um, I hope you guys have enjoyed the past couple of weeks of content. Um, we just finished off our pain relief series, so I, help, I hope that helped you in some sort of way, and I hope you guys are enjoying tuning in every week. Thank you if you do. Um, today is going to be a pretty jam-packed episode. We're going to be talking about cesarean sections and what they may entail, what to expect, why you might need one, um, and what the recovery looks like post-operatively. Um, so it's going to be a pretty jam-packed episode. We're going to be talking a lot about, um, the specifics. So like the stuff that people don't necessarily tell you, um, we're going to talk about the entire process from start to finish. If I can manage it, I know I get quite sidetracked when I have a, like when I get really caught up in something. Um, but we are going to be talking about everything that is involved, the people that you might need to help you through it and why certain things are done throughout, you know, the cesarean experience. So, if this isn't enough for you, I do have an ebook available on my website, literally called The Cesarean Experience. So please feel free to check that out. Um, should you require more information, um, yeah, for whatever reason. And check out my Instagram page at Midwife in My Pocket. Um, and we have done quite a few posts on on Instagram, on cesareans and what to expect, etc. We also have a lovely community there um, of people that have been putting tips in the comments and things that worked for them. Um, so please check it out. I hope it helps. So I guess we'll get straight into it. I may be splitting this episode into two parts again, just depending on the amount of content that we chew through in this one. Um, just because it's a huge topic and I want to do it justice and I want to make sure that I'm covering all the points that I need to. Um, so yeah, may or may not be split up into two. We'll see. But I guess I'll start from the very beginning with <laughs> what is the cesarean? So it's considered major abdominal surgery. Um, and I hate that people use the terms like, oh, you know, it's the easy way out. Or, you know, you had a cesarean because you were too posh to push, all of that bullshit. No. A cesarean is major abdominal surgery where we do have to cut through layers of skin, muscle, fat, um, organs like your uterus, for example, um, to get your baby out safely. So it's not just like a cute little flesh wound, maybe just pops its cute little head out. No, it's going to be layers of you know, your body that have been incised <laughs> so that baby can come out. Um, and that's just one thing I want to make really clear. It is major abdominal surgery. It does take a minimum of six weeks to recover from. So some people go for longer. Um, you know, that's just what you can expect with the process. So the ultimate goal of a cesarean is obviously to have you be healthy and have baby be born healthy. Um, that's why we have emergency cesareans. We're really lucky in Australia to be able to have this medicine, um, and to have the technology and the skills that we do to be able to provide the service to women or birthing people. Um, I think it's really important and it's something that's really underappreciated because don't get me wrong, a cesarean has saved countless lives. Um, it's done incredible things for mothers, 
post-trauma. Um, so mums who have had, you know, really traumatic vaginal births in the past or couldn't think of anything worse than having a vaginal birth. So they turn to an elective cesarean um, to birth their baby. And I think that's something that needs to be celebrated because it's a really brave decision to make. Um, it's a really big decision to make and it's just not something that should be taken lightly. So I always refer to a cesarean as birth. It's not a procedure. It's not a surgery. It's birth. Because at the end of the day, that's what happens. And that's how you birth your baby. If it happens to be via the sunroof, cool. <laughs> it's something different. It's something that, you know, has allowed you to meet your baby. And I really think that is something that needs to be celebrated and appreciated with cesareans. So, yeah. The ultimate goal, you and baby are well. It involves a surgical team. So the person, the big shot, the top guy that'll be doing your procedure will usually be a doctor um, that specializes in obstetrics and gynecology. So it's, um, you know, someone who's experienced and someone who knows what they're doing usually. Um, I can't speak for other hospitals because I work in a private hospital. So I've only really seen obstetricians do it. Um, who are, you know, the best at what they do. They are the most qualified at what they do in our hospitals. So, um, yeah, keep that in mind. Sometimes there might be an intern there or whatever, but that's, you know, up for discussion with you and your care provider. Um, and then you have a team as well that works with that doctor to bring your baby out. So in a surgical team, you usually have an anaesthetist who is the guy or the girl, whoever it may be, that will give you drugs for the procedure. So they're a professional drug dealer, for lack of a better word. And they are the person who's going to be inserting your spinal um, anesthetic. In a vaginal birth sense, they're the person that's going to be inserting your epidural. Um, so they have the job of giving you whatever medication you need to make your experience as comfortable as possible. So before the procedure even begins, they will be the first person to see you um other than the obstetrician. So once you have everything sorted and you're good to go, the anaesthetist will come in. They'll do a brief a little chat with you about your health history, um, have a look at your spine as well to make sure that, you know, you have no scoliosis and that sort of thing. So they can familiarize themselves with your anatomy um, because obviously to have a spinal, to have an epidural, it needs to go into your back and they need to be you know, aware of any changes or whatever with your anatomy to achieve that. So they'll do that. They'll have a chat with you. Um, they'll talk about previous surgeries, if you've ever had them, how you go with anesthetic, what your allergies are, that sort of thing. They'll just have a bit of a chat, just get to know you a little bit in a health sense. And then the next time you see them, they'll be either putting in a cannula or, um, you know, talking you through getting the drugs basically and then doing the procedure involved for a spinal so that's all done in theater um and then other people that you may see are nurses or obviously your midwife will be with you the whole time but there will be other nurses that work with the doctors to keep you comfortable and to help you have your baby so there's scrub nurses there's scout nurses um there's just Oh, anesthetic nurses as well who work with the anaesthetist to help you. Um, so in reality, what this can look like is about maybe a minimum of five people 
maximum of 15 (laughs) in a birthing room or in a theatre room. So it can be really quite overwhelming when you do go into theatre and you do go into your surgical room and you're surrounded by people (laughs) that you don't know and you've never met before. Um, But that's basically the the team that are going to help you bring your baby into the world. And again, they are going to do whatever they can to help you through this. So um, every theatre I've ever been in, I worked in theatre for a long time and it may be a biased opinion, but we're pretty good at helping you out. Um, Even like, you know, people that you've never met before, like the nurses and that sort of thing, they really do go out of their way to make your experience as good as they possibly can. Um, They love having cesareans because it's not something that's really routine. Um, I mean, we see a lot of procedures and that sort of thing, but there's just something so magical about a cesarean because there's a baby at the end of it and you guys become parents at the end of it. So we enjoy it. Um, And we try to make it as pleasant as we possibly can for you. So that's something to be mindful of and to understand that, you know, this isn't just a job for us. We do actually love the birth aspect of it as well. And whilst you may be nervous, we understand that and we'll try to do everything we can to accommodate you and ease your nerves. So once you meet your team and once you're aware of all of the people that surround you, um, it's time to basically go, go full gung-ho. So through with any procedure that you get, there's a heap of paperwork that you do need to fill out and that will be checked constantly. So if you're having an elective Caesar, um, this is pretty well routine. So you'll be given like sort of a paperwork pack um, and you'll have to go through and, you know, write down all of your allergies if you have any, write down your health history, so any previous procedures you've had in the past, any medical history that you're aware of, any medications that you may be taking, um, and that'll all be given to you so you can organise that pre-hospital arrival. Um, If it's an emergency Caesar, it's pretty well done within a (laughs) very quick space of time before your procedure. Um, So we'll go through and ask you all of those questions before you go um, and basically shove the paperwork into a folder and take it with you to your Caesar. Um, I think what I'm going to do for this is just talk about it from an, um, an elective point of view, because most of the stuff that you do for an elective Caesar, you do for an emergency Caesar anyway. Um, the emergency one is just obviously really chopped down quite quick. Um, like obviously it needs to be done in a shorter period of time because it may, it's like it's an emergency, obviously. We need to get the baby out. Um, so yeah, I think I'll just talk about it from an elective point of view because otherwise it becomes a bit too wishy-washy if that makes sense. Like if I say, oh, this is what you do for an elective, this is what you do for an emergency. Just assume that everything that I say is the same for an emergency. It's just quicker. (laughs) All right. So now we've gotten that out of the way. Where was I up to? Yeah. So the paperwork. So with any surgical procedure you get, um, we have to ask you a million questions. So don't be offended. I know a lot of people get really annoyed with nurses or midwives because they're like, oh, you know, she had to check me bloody tag every time she gave me a medication or she had to ask me who I was every time. 
We do that for a reason. We're not being annoying. We're not being forgetful. We do it because things have fucked up in the past and we want to avoid making those mistakes again. So we need to check everything we do and get it double checked. So what we do if you're having a surgical procedure is there's a couple of things we have to make sure of. One, it's that we've got the right person for the right procedure. So it may sound really stupid when you're being wheeled around for your cesarean, you're very clearly pregnant and the midwife or the nurse or whoever it may be asks you, hey, in your own words, can you tell me what you're having done today? Like, it's fucking obvious. We get it. But we just need that verbalization that A, you know what you're having done. B, you have informed consent and you're able to understand what you're having done. See, we just need to know we have the right person. <laughs> Because heaven forbid we should go and start cutting into someone else who isn't pregnant. Okay? <laughs> for Yeah, just to paint that picture for you, that's something we want to avoid. So don't be offended or don't be annoyed with us when we ask you the million questions. That's our job. <laughs> and we do it for a reason. So we ask you those sorts of questions. We ask you what you're having done, why you're having it. We also ask you your full name, date of birth, any allergies you may have. We also ask you things like, is there anything in your body you weren't born with? So any implants, prosthesis, any piercings anywhere. And we need to know this from a, um, from a couple of reasons. A, that everything that is in you isn't going to interact with defibrillators and that sort of thing. Um, X-rays, should we need to take them? Um, like obviously in an emergency scenario. B, we need to make sure that everything in your body has been there before your procedure. It's not something that we just pop in. So we need to know everything that's being used in your procedure so that nothing goes missing. Because if something does go missing, we assume that it's in you. Okay. <laughs> so that's why we ask those sorts of questions. And we need to be sure that everything that you have bringing in, so whether it be breast implants, whether it be, you know, plates, pins, screws, whatever it is, we need to know about it so it doesn't muck up with our machines um, or our defibrillators when we're trying to save your life or whatever the case may be. We also need to know that we're not the ones who put it in there. <laughs> All right, so that's why we ask that. Um, we'll also ask you things like any loose teeth, any caps, crowns, whatever it may be, um, because sometimes we do, like even if you are having an elective procedure, sometimes it can escalate to being, you know, an emergency. So it can result in us having to put a tube down to help you breathe. Um, it may result in a general anesthetic, whatever the case may be. Um, it can change so even though you might be having what is perceived as a routine procedure um, and you have no complications throughout your pregnancy like you're a healthy woman or person um, we need to know that if we do escalate and we have to have like a tube or whatever it is that we're not going to pull out any teeth <laughs> or we're not going to knock any teeth around or that sort of thing so um, yeah. And that's why we ask that because everything has potential to escalate. Um, just trying to think off the top of my head, what else we ask you? 
I think that's really about it. We'll ask you a brief little health history, like if you have any problems like cardiac issues, asthma, that sort of thing, um, just so we're aware if that's a normal thing for you. So we ask that. We also ask if you've had any recent infections. So anything like, and this is where you come into play too. So anything like herpes or HIV, um, MRSA, so any antibiotic resistive infections, golden staph, um, anything like that, we do need to know about it. I know it can be really daunting when a complete stranger is asking you if you've had any recent infections. If you've had any STIs recently, you need to let them know that because it's something that we need to be aware of so we can protect ourselves and protect you as well. Um, because, you know, a theater is obviously a clean space. And if you're infectious, we need to make sure that we're cleaning it afterwards. We need to make sure that we're protecting ourselves. So making sure that we're gowned and gloved effectively, even though we are going to be anyway, um, we just need to be aware of it so we can pass it on to other nurses and midwives that are involved in your care so they can protect themselves as well. Um, so please disclose any of that information. Even if you like had a throat infection two weeks ago, just let people know, um, and they can decide what they want to do with that from there, especially with COVID times, you know, we want to be sure that we're protected. So don't get offended or, um, don't feel awkward when you're saying, you know, I have such and such, um, we're health professionals. We see it all the time. It's cool. We'll deal with it. And we'll be very discreet about it too. So I think I've gotten through most of that pre-op paperwork that you need to do um, or most of the pre-op checks that need to be done. Um, So yeah, you'll be constantly asked those questions throughout the entirety of your pre-op. Again, we need to make sure we have the right person for the right procedure. Otherwise, that could be disastrous. So from there, you have done all your paperwork, everyone's asked you the questions, you're about to go and have your procedure. So before you do that, you'll need to get changed into like the theatre attire, which is very sexy. (laughs) Um, It usually consists of a button-up gown, um, which usually has an opening at the back (laughs) for easy access for the anaesthetists that's the easiest way I can put it they need to be able to see your back quite easily and reach it quite easily um so that's why that's there and I see it again we'll probably give you paper undies probably not depends on the doctor and the hospital or whatever um we will need you to take off any jewelry that you may have on any piercings that you have in if you can't take it off, I understand with like pregnancy, you swell, your fingers become little sausages and it's hard to get your rings off. Don't stress, we can tape over them. Um, we can also tape over most piercings as well. Um, but if you can take them off, amazing, please do that. Um, the same thing goes, so you'll need to take off your bra um, and keep your body free from anything metal. Um, things that often get forgotten are hair ties, bobby pins, that sort of thing. Um, that you wouldn't even think of, but you do need to take them out before the procedure. Just again, with that defibrillator thing, it can interact with it, burn you quite simply. (laughs) Um, So yeah, you need to take off anything metal. Um, 
you'll be given some stockings which help prevent the formation of blood clots um so they're really quite cute sexy um knee length stockings <laughs> and you'll also be given a hair gown a hair gown a hair net that sort of thing you'll look the part essentially um and that's what you need to do before you go in you'll also need to shave your pubes now a lot of people may be thinking why <laughs> the easiest answer i can give for this is if you don't shave we'll have to and it's really uncomfortable <laughs> to have a surgeon hacking away at your pubes because the last thing we want when you know making an, an excision incision making an incision into your belly is for a pube to fly into it <laughs> and that's honestly no one wants a stray fucking pube in their belly all right so please be aware of that the surgeon also doesn't want to be pushing back pubes to make sure they don't fly into the surgical space it's uncomfortable for everyone so you know just before your procedure shave it doesn't have to be a full skinned shave like you don't have to be hairless you don't have to you know be fucking I don't know what the word is looking like a dolphin <laughs> you just seem to be shaved and it needs to be clean so um just be aware of that it throws a lot of people off when like they walk into the um into their room and I'm like oh have you shaved your pubes in the last couple of days um so please be aware of that shave do whatever you need to give it a trim whatever works um but yeah so that's most of the pre-op stuff done now it's time to have your procedure so once all of the checks are done once we're com com uh, confident that we have the right person that's when things will start to kick off so again your anesthetist will come and see you They'll pop in a little cannula and they'll check out your back, have a look, and they'll also start the procedure for the spinal insertion. Now, depending on your hospital, this is where we need to take you by yourself um, because we're taking you into the surgical theater, into the surgical environment. So if you have a partner or a support person, whoever it may be, they will usually need to wait we obviously have things in place for extenuating circumstances where if you have really bad anxiety or if, you know, it's just a traumatic experience for you, we can be a little bit lenient and say, okay, like bring such and such in. Obviously, it depends on the day. It depends on the situation. It also depends on the surgical team at the time. Um, but your spinal will be done in the room by yourself. The reason for that being is... A, it's not a nice procedure to watch um, if you've ever seen a spinal insertion before. But if you've never like seen anything or if you're a non-medical person, it can be quite a lot and it can make people pass out. And the last thing we need is someone passing out onto the surgical field because that's a sterile environment. And if you don't understand sterility, basically what it means is it's an area in its cleanest form. So it's free of any organisms. It's free of any bacteria and it's the cleanest of clean. Okay. And that's what we need for surgery 
because otherwise that's when we get really nasty infections. That's when things are just gross. Okay. <laughs> so the last thing we need is someone passing out onto the sterile field because then that means we have to start all over again. And it's not just a simple like, oh, we'll wipe over it. We literally have to throw everything out um, and start from scratch. So it's a big thing and it's a lot of wasted material, a lot of wasted time. Um, so just be aware of that. The other reason is because we're still setting up that sterile field. So it can take a little while to set up and it can be quite a, um, I don't know what the word is. Things are folded and we need to unfold them. So if you can imagine you're unfolding a sheet, how much space in the room that takes up, it's the same sort of thing, except this sheet is clean and we don't we can't have it touch anything else so just imagine <laughs> the cleanest sheet you've ever seen you don't want it to touch the floor you don't want it to touch other people you don't want it to touch anything so you're trying to unfold it and place it where you want it um and the last thing we need is someone to come in and wreck that for us okay so we're still setting up getting things organized while your anesthetist gives you the spinal anesthetic so once your spinal is in and the anesthetic is working, you're feeling pretty numb, um, your doctor or whoever, one of the nurses will check to make sure that you don't have any sensation. So they'll do that usually with a bit of ice um, just to make sure that you can't feel that cold sensation, you can't feel pain and that sort of thing. Um, it's really important that if you do feel anything, you let them know. Um, because the last thing we want is for you to be feeling the procedure. No one wants that. It's, yeah, not nice at all. So let them know. And if all is good, that's when um, the procedure will commence. So you'll be, you'll have these drapes up around you. So if you don't want to see anything, you don't have to. There are a few hospitals now that are introducing clear drapes so you can watch the procedure if you want to. Um, they're also doing, I guess, mother-led cesareans where the mother will actually be scrubbed in for surgery herself um, and she'll be able to pull her baby out of her uterus, which I think is really beautiful. But again, Clear this up with your hospital because different hospitals have different policies and procedures and what might be available to someone else might not be available for you. So just um, clarify that. In a normal setting, the drapes will be up so you can't see anything and then they will be pulled down a little bit once baby is born so you can see um, you know, whether you had a boy or a girl so you can see your baby um, and that's the loveliest time. So that's what happens in the procedure um once the baby like the time frame from when you get i guess your anesthetic to when baby is born is actually quite quick and a lot of people don't realize how quick it actually is so we usually say for the pre-op um that usually takes about 20 minutes to half an hour to get all of the paperwork out of the way and to get the setup going um, your anesthetic, so your spinal can take anywhere from 10 minutes to maybe, I don't know, half an hour, depending on your spinal anatomy and how easy it is for the doctor to locate, you know, the areas that they need to. Um, 
So there's that. And then the period from when you actually are, um, you know, numb to when baby is born can be anywhere from five minutes to 15. It's a really quick procedure. Um, Getting baby out is probably the quickest part. And then the longest part is suturing and repairing everything um, once baby has been born. Now, once baby is born, there are a couple of different ways that this can go. So if all is well with baby and he or she is breathing, they're crying, they're pink and lovely, they're not having any issues at all, um, I personally will always make the decision to try and do skin to skin with mum as early as I can, given that you are well as well. Um, sometimes it can be really hard because, you know, you might be sick, you might be vomiting from the anesthetic or from the adrenaline or whatever it may be. Um, so it can be a little bit hard to facilitate skin to skin in theater, but if just know that it's a priority for most midwives to get that baby on your chest as soon as we can. Um, so if all is well with the both of you, we will facilitate that. Um, we'll make this decision judging on how baby is. So if baby comes out and they're not breathing and they're having a lot of difficulty or something's wrong, that's when we'll take baby out to a resus cot. Um, so we can check baby over, make sure everything's okay. And when this happens, I like to make sure that a parent is present. So we know we have the right baby for the right parents um, and we can put everything back where it was basically. So I usually get one of the parents to come if all is okay. Um, otherwise, I will put tags on the baby straight away to make sure that that is your baby and they aren't going anywhere else. But I think most hospital policies and procedures are to have a parent of the baby present. So if they have to get transferred, there is a parent with them the whole time. They do not leave. So that's what happens if things go, you know, not according to plan with baby. And if all is well and baby responds quite nicely and is healthy again, um, we will try and facilitate that skin to skin moment if it's appropriate and if it's safe to do so. Otherwise, um, it will be a transfer into, you know, special care or NICU or wherever it may be, but you will be informed every step of the way. If all is fine and you get to have skin to skin with baby, um, that's great. And we'll keep that baby with you for the entirety of the time. So when you're out in recovery, that baby will stay with you. When you get transferred to the ward, your baby is yours and it stays with you the entire time. So that's something to be aware of. Um, that we're not just going to take your baby for no reason. Um, we're going to make sure that you were both informed every step of the way um, and that or you are both meaning like if you have a partner or if you have a support person, everyone's informed um, and at least one person will be with the baby that, you know, is close to you. So whether that be your partner, the father of the baby, the mother of the baby, um, the distant friend, <laughs> whoever it is that is your support person, someone will be with that baby. So yeah, I guess once the procedure's done, that's when the suturing takes place. That's the longest bit. Um, and then you can expect to be in recovery. So recovery is an area where you, exactly as the name suggests, you recover from your surgery. Uh, so you go out there and that will be when you're under the care of some nurses who will be doing some observations on you to make sure that you're healthy and that you're recovering well post-procedure. 
Um, so they'll do that in the form of blood pressures, heart rate monitoring, respiratory monitoring, all of that sort of thing to make sure you're in tip top shape. We'll also be checking your uterus pretty consistently, especially while you still have a spinal, just to make sure that your uterus is contracting the way it should be and that there's no bleeding occurring. So um, we'll be checking pads, we'll be changing pads should we need to, and we'll also be recording how much blood there is, um, just so the midwives are aware. Another thing that will be done in recovery is you'll have a few drains. So in theater, they'll put some drains in you. This will consist of usually in a routine environment, um, just a catheter drain that goes into your urethra and obviously your cannula with some fluids running. You may have some um, pumps on your legs to help keep that circulation going. It all depends on the hospital and it all depends on your procedure and what happened in that scenario. Sometimes you might have an extra drain just to help the wound heal. Um, it really depends on the situation and what the doctors have decided to go with. So um, in an ideal world, You'll only have your catheter drain and your cannula. Sometimes this varies. So that's just something that'll be decided on the day. And we'll be monitoring your output. So making sure that you're draining heaps of pee, making sure that you're getting plenty of fluid intake to keep you hydrated and healthy. And if all is well with you and bub, we'll keep doing that skin to skin. We'll try and get a breastfeed started, doing whatever we can to make sure that you still get that beautiful bonding experience with your baby and you get to breastfeed and do all of that lovely stuff um, while you're you know, after birth, post-birth, and you have all of that colostrum on board, etc. So that's recovery. Once you're in recovery, you usually stay there for a minimum of half an hour if all goes well. So this can vary. Sometimes doctors will want you to have certain medications or certain things in recovery um, that may cause you to stay a little bit longer. Um, maybe you've had a bleed, maybe your blood pressure is a bit off, whatever the case may be, those are things that can make you stay for a bit longer and that will require further monitoring. Otherwise, it'll be a trip back to the ward where you'll spend the rest of your time recovering from your surgery and getting to know your baby. So after this whole procedure, you obviously still will have a bit of spinal anesthetic on board. Now, this can take anywhere from you know, three or so hours to six hours to wear off. It really depends on your body's ability to metabolize the drugs and to get them out of your system, basically. So you may start to feel like pins and needles in your legs as the feeling comes back. You may be able to start to feel the strength returning to them. Um, whatever the case may be, you will be in bed until your spinal wears off completely. Um, so there are a couple of tests that midwives do to, um, I guess, determine this. And that's depending on the results of that, whether you're able to mobilize or not. That's when we'll decide to get you up to a shower or a toilet, whatever it is. Um, but you have to be able to walk first. So once you're walking, which usually is the day after your procedure or it may be later in the day following your procedure, minimum six hours, um, you'll be able to walk. So what happens there is you'll have a midwife helping you to walk. 
you'll have um, maybe have your drains removed, maybe have your th- uh, your fluids stopped, whatever the case may be. We'll try and return you to normal as quickly and as safely as we can. Um, but it's really important that before this moving, it's I guess it's important to understand that even though it can seem really difficult and really painful, it will be the best thing for your recovery. So getting up and moving around, even though it might seem really scary, really quite daunting, it is a good thing to mobilize and to be able to walk freely and that sort of thing. It does help your healing. Um, so we highly recommend doing that as soon as you possibly can and as soon as it's safest, basically. So we will help you do that. We will also give you some pain relief because please understand it is going to be very, very painful that first time you get up. It is going to feel really quite like, I know a lot of people explain it as it feels tight, it feels sore, it feels a little bit like things are going to fall out, but you are going to be safe. I know it feels really odd, but you will be safe during that walk. Um, Keep on top of your pain relief. Make sure you ask for some pre and post the walking episode. (laughs) Um, But yeah, it is something that needs to be done to help you recover quicker. So don't think that midwives are being cruel by getting you up um, pretty soon after your procedure. It's just something that will help you and we know it helps. So that's why we're so adamant in getting up, moving around, going back to normal basically. So I guess that best describes the cesarean experience. Um, There's a lot to unpack and I guess I'll share like a few tips and tricks I've learned along the way as a midwife um, that I think can help improve your experience a little bit. And this is me just purely saying this as someone from the outside. Um, I've been a midwife who's assisted in many, many cesarean births. I've also been on the other side working in recovery as a nurse and um, helping cesarean section people recover. (laughs) Just to make it even, just to spread my words around a bit. Um, But yeah, I've seen both angles of it and I've seen what works, what doesn't, what helps and what can make a vast improvement for your experience. One of the things I've noticed is that the spinal anesthetic can be a bit nerve-wracking this I understand I get it completely especially when you're not able to have someone close to you be able to hold your hand throughout the procedure Um, but one thing I found is that whilst you're getting this anesthetic try and take your mind elsewhere so Whilst you're listening to the anaesthetist say, you know, curve your back over, do whatever, do this, do that, it can be really easy to get caught up in the moment. So if the anaesthetist tells you to get into a certain position, do that, but also try and think through like deep breathing exercises, um, counting to 100. I always say to my patients that if you count to 100, I guarantee you that by the time you reach the 100, your procedure will be done and you'll, you know, be fine. So that's one thing that I always say. Practice some deep breathing, practice some, um, you know, kind of meditative practices to take your mind away from the fact that there's going to be something inserted into your back. (laughs) It just helps a little bit. And it's something that I've noticed that when I say to women, when they are getting spinal anesthetic, I have to tell them like, you know, take a deep breath 
and they quite literally forget to breathe. And so when I tell them and I remind them to breathe, it's almost like they take this huge inhale and they're like, oh God, I did forget to breathe for like a good 20 minutes there. So yeah, just try and think happy thoughts. Try and put yourself in your place. Fuck. Try and put your mind into a place of calm and it, this will make things seem a whole lot easier than what they actually are. So that's just a little tip. Another tip is after your procedure, you will be given heaps of pain relief. So the way I kind of tell people that about their pain relief and about making the most of it is that you need to ask for it should you need it. So don't let your pain get to a point where it's uncontrollable because then that becomes harder to manage. So with pain relief post-procedure, Usually it is a narcotic medication of some type. So it's your heavier sort of medications like thinking your endones, your targins, that sort of thing. And they can have um, like the way most hospitals run is they have two people that need to check out these medications. So that takes time. So if you think about it, if you're in 10 out of 10 pain and you're requesting pain relief once you hit that 10 out of 10, We can't really give you pain relief quickly. So the way it has to work, if you say to your midwife, hey, I'm in 10 out of 10 pain, I then have to go and find another midwife. I then have to go and check this medication out. So I have to actually write in your details and get someone else to check them with me. I then have to count how many medications are in the cupboard and check those medications out. I have to do that with that with another person present the entire time. We then have to take that medication, go into your room and if the medication is pills, that's perfect. If it's an injection, I have to make the injection up. I have to use the syringes. It's a whole process. Um, But again, requires two people. So then we have to go back to you, check your name and date of birth and any allergies you may have. We then have to watch you take that medication. So it's a whole process. So you can understand why we say, if you're in pain, let us know sooner rather than later. Because if you let us know sooner, that gives us time to prep things and get it into you quicker and have a better effect than letting you go, like if you wait till you're in 10 out of 10 pain, that's just going to be traumatic for you. It's going to be really uncomfortable, really painful. And it's going to be really hard for us because we have to get things organized really quickly. And if we can't get things done quickly, like if we have a really busy night and there's not another staff member in sight, you know, it's just a cascade from there. So if you are in pain, let the midwives know early um, so they can sort that out. And Make sure you're taking your stool softness (laughs) with narcotic medication because it can constipate you quite dramatically. Um, And this can make things even more uncomfortable because if you think of the pressure of a poo, um, it's just not nice. So take your stool softeners, um, eat plenty of fiber, drink plenty of water, and you will be happy as Larry when it comes to shitting, (laughs) for lack of a better word. Um... What else can I tell you? So with your wound, um, I mentioned this in a post that I did on Instagram the other day. 
With multiple cesareans, there's often a lot of scar tissue that the doctors have to cut through to get to your baby. Now, scar tissue takes a lot longer to heal and it can also be really uncomfortable to recover from. So a lot of people that I look after, they often say, oh, if they've had like two or three babies in the past that were born by a cesarean, they often say like, oh, this is so much more painful than I remember. Like, what the hell? And that's normal. Um, It's just because of that scar tissue there. So that's just something to be aware of. So it's not throwing you off guard on the day. Um, Another thing is there's actually one side of your wound that can hurt a little bit more than the other. And you can blame your doctor for that. So that is where the doctor will either make their first incision or do the last stitch. So you can blame them for that honestly, because I know it hurts. A lot of women say it's like a stinging, um, pulling type of pain. And yeah, that's all from the doctor. Um, Another thing with spinal anesthetic, it's not unusual to get the shakes um, immediately after. And it's not unusual to feel really quite itchy. It's just from the drugs that are used during the procedure to give you that numb effect. Um, it can throw a lot of people off and make them really quite nervous, but it is all normal. Um, the best thing to do if you're shaking is to just go with it. Keep yourself warm. Try not to fight it because if you fight the shakes, it actually makes it worse. So just try and relax, do your deep breathing, do whatever you need to. Um, and just remember that it's only temporary, like it will wear off. The other thing with the itching, let your midwives know. They can get you some cool washes to sort of help that feeling. Um, It will subside as well. If it's a reaction, we'll give you like an antihistamine should you need it. But again, it is a normal response that is temporary. Um, Yeah, that is honestly all I can think of off the top of my head with cesarean sections. I do hope that helps in some way, shape or form and gives you a little bit of insight into what happens and what the procedure entails and what your recovery will look like. Um, I honestly talk a heap about this over on my Instagram. I have a whole book available on my website that you can check out. Please, 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 please support my brand and help me to help you guys so if you want to purchase the book please do if you want to um follow my instagram please do we're a really open and inspiring community and i think it will help so many people out there the every post i do on cesarean sections i get an overwhelming response from other mothers that have been through it before that leave their little tips and tricks in the comments and it's just a beautiful space to be a part of so If you are having a cesarean or if you're pregnant, um, please, please go follow my Instagram. I promise it'll help in some way. Um, Yeah, please do that. So I guess that wraps up this episode, guys. I hope you enjoyed it. Um, Once again, I am asking to please leave a like. I don't even think it's a like on here. A rate. Yeah, please leave a rate and a review. Five stars or no stars. whatever sits well with you, please leave a little, like, please write a review. It honestly makes my day seeing them. Um, I love reading them and I love knowing that I'm helping you guys. I thrive off a bit of attention. So I'm a Gemini. If that makes any sense. I don't know if that's a personality trait, but I really do um, love reading your feedback and it makes me feel so happy to know that you guys are enjoying it. Or if you're not enjoying it, please let me know as well. And I can, you know, change (laughs) I 
can change. And please send me photos of where you guys are listening from. So send me screenshots, um, send me pics of you and your babies listening. I honestly will appreciate it. It makes my day seeing you guys listen to my voice. So yeah, rate, review, subscribe, like, follow, all of the good stuff. And I will see you guys next Tuesday for another episode. Thank you so much for listening. Love you all the most. Hooroo. Bye.